Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Inkwell Gamers Podcast. Today, we are going to start our set review. So instead of doing what we have traditionally done, which is take one color and go over every single card in that color, Dana and I are just going to pick out two cards of each color that we like or find interesting, and we're going to talk about those today. And then all the rest of the cards, uh, we're just going to post on social media at some point to finish the review. So, with that being said, Dana, why don't you start us off with the grading scale? Yeah, for sure. And really quick, though, do you want to explain why we're doing it this way? Yeah, absolutely. So, we're doing it this way because we want to talk more about all the interesting cards in the set rather than the goon analogs for the third time. And what I mean by that is all the cards that are essentially goons, right? Whether that's Archimedes or Flounder, what have yeah. you. There's so many of them. And there's other cards that are functional reprints, the exact same, just different names that just aren't that interesting. So we're just trying to keep uh, all the interesting ones to yeah. talk about. Yeah, not, not waste your time going through the, the 15th Archimedes or something. <laughs> but yeah, so getting into our grading scale... Um, it goes from S down to D, with S being the best, D being the worst. So S, it's a card that is one that you would play four of in every deck of that color. You couldn't imagine cutting it from your deck, and it has a very high power level. So in the last set, Beast Tragic Hero, if you were playing Steel, you were playing Beast. A is the next one, and it's one of the best cards in the color because it has a very high power level. And you'd probably see it in most decks, but there might be a few situations where a certain deck archetype might not want it, or maybe at least all four of it, depending on their strategy. So something like Flabbersham. A could also involve a really good card that causes you to build your whole deck around it, something like Bell Hidden Archer or Big Elsa from set one. And then after that, we have Bs, which are just solid role players. This is where we might classify like our goons or our community. They're just, they, they, do, they do a job, but maybe they're not necessarily something special. Yeah. Um, I do think that as we go on, the more of those we get, the less important they are. So they'll probably fall down to Cs just because they're nothing special. Yeah, yeah. But for right now, they're just solid role players, nothing exciting. Could be four of in a lot of decks just due to ink ability and their ink cost, but not necessarily like a high power. So something like Minnie Mouse, always classy. And then the second half of Bs, it could also be a higher power level that is maybe not inkable and expensive. So it's hard to play in certain deck archetypes or have a lot of copies of in your deck like Ursula. Ursula is very powerful when you do play her, but it's really hard to sometimes justify playing all four of her in a deck. And then next we have our Cs. It takes a very specific deck to make playable, but it could have niche applications, something like Hypnotize. And then lastly, we have our Ds. These are mostly unplayable cards. You're never going to really see them. Healing Glow is a great example of that from the first set and remains to be the same today poster child for the d's poster child for the d's so all right let's jump in like dalton said we each brought two cards from each color and are prepared to talk about them and grade them for you all so 
Do you want to present your first card or do you want me to go first? We can go ahead and do my first one. All right. So my first one is Pluto, Friendly Pooch. It is a one cost uninkable character, a zero two that quests for one with the ability Good Dog. You may pay one less for the next character you play this turn. So I'm going to give this a B because I don't think it's going to fit in necessarily every single uh, deck, but I do think that this card is really, really good. Mm -hmm. So coming from Magic, some of the most powerful cards are these one mana characters that essentially tap for one ink or one mana and magic and there are a lot of them in magic but this is the only character that does this in Lorcana. so i can imagine just being on the play you go in first you play pluto on turn one your opponent doesn't have a one cost character they can play and then you're just going to play like a three cost character on your turn and then they maybe they play a two they probably will have a two but you already have a three cost in play and you're about ready to play a four cost character and you're just so far ahead on board not to mention if one of those characters is bodyguard to protect it so you could play something like Mufasa a turn early I think this card is incredibly powerful it's going to see a lot of play it is a shame that it is uninkable because they didn't really give it that flexibility in the late game, but this on turn one, if you're staring it down and you're going second, I think it's just going to be a menace. Mm -hmm. So maybe I gave it a little bit more credit than what I should have, but I did give it an A. At first, I was going to give it a B because I thought, okay, it's just going to die to the one cost two twos that you might see. But, like, if you play Bodyguard on turn two that protects this, it could be pretty good to then use it at least for one more turn. So I was imagining in, like, the Steel Amber decks where you see a lot of Simba, Lilo, Bodyguard, like, if you play this on your first turn and then turn two, you can exert it to only pay one for Simba and then still have one to either do a location, an item, or maybe another one drop character like a Lilo, and then that Simba can protect both, and then maybe you can use this on turn three for something else. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's, I feel like it could be really good, so that's why I gave it an A. Yeah, I can definitely see that, and this is a card that's, I believe, is only going to get better the more cards are printed, because the more powerful three cost characters that you're going to see, right? So, I can definitely see this one being an A. I just... I'm not sure if the power level of three and four cost characters are there yet, but this looks like a really promising card. Yeah, definitely accelerates you a little <clears throat> faster than your opponent for sure. Yeah. All right, Dana, let's talk about your first one. All right. So my first Amber card is Lucky the 15th Puppy. It is an uninkable four drop, a two, three quest for one and has two abilities. The first one, good is new. You exert it to reveal the top three cards of your deck. And then you may put each character card with a cost two or less into your hand and then the rest at the bottom of your deck in any order. And then the second ability is Puppy Love. Whenever this character quests, if you have four or more other characters in play, your other characters get plus one lore this turn. I gave this one a B. 
I think the card is pretty powerful for the typical Amber Steel decks that you see because they do try to have a wide board with a bunch of low to the ground characters. It's a similar design to Ariel Singer, except you probably have a higher chance of hitting a character over a song. And two characters or maybe even three characters sometimes. Right, yeah. So I think you definitely will be able to use the first ability more often than like Ariel's singing ability for the songs. But even more so, I think that second ability where your other characters get extra lore as long as you have four other characters in play can be pretty annoying as well because especially if it's in combination with the Stitch Rockstar combo, like you're getting extra lore and card draw. And like I said, your chances are you probably are going to have quite a few characters on your board because Amber tends to go wide. So I think that it's pretty good and I, I gave it a B. I think this card is pretty good as well. I'm also going to give it a B. Uh, I like that it kind of fuels itself, so it draws you the card so you can create that wide board. You have to build around it a little bit, but like you said, Stitch Rockstar is already an extremely good card, and it already wants you to play a bunch of two-cost-or-less characters. Mm -hmm. I think like the curve of Pluto into the Prince, which is the three-cost bodyguard and steel into lucky then you have the prince which is a pretty good defensive character on turn two especially protecting pluto and lucky and lucky's just gonna draw you a bunch of cards and then eventually it turns into a way to just kind of win the game out of nowhere especially if you can get like two of these in play mm -hmm. and then all your characters like have yeah all your characters <laughs> have plus two lore that's just so much especially when you already have three or four characters that are going to quest that turn. This card seems like it can be really powerful. I'm not sure if it's strong enough to replace something like Rapunzel, but it can definitely go in some of the decks that maybe Rapunzel might not be good in. Yeah, I can see that. All right, what's your next card? <clears throat> My next card is Chernabog Evildoer. So... This is a really interesting card. It is a 10 cost unequal. So uh, right there, that's usually kind of a red flag. It's a 10 cost character that's unequal. Yeah. It is a 9-9 nine -nine that quests for three. And it has two abilities, the power of evil. For each character card in your discard, you pay one less to play this character. And summon the spirits when you play this character. Shuffle all character cards from your discard into your deck. I'm going to give this a B as well. This is a card that I think could be really powerful as like a two of in your decks. I don't think you want to play four just because the first one just invalidates all the others that you're going to draw for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. But as a curve topper, I can definitely see it being playable. My question to you, Dana, is at what ink would you be happy playing this card oh so i was trying to think about it i feel like if you see him on turn five they'd be pretty good so if you could play him on for five ink or on turn five? Oh, uh for five ink so i tend to agree like once you get to seven ink then like all right so eight ink it's just not gonna be as good as elsa right Yep. Uh, granted, different color, but still, 7 ink, it's not going to be good as Stitch Rockstar or Ursula, most likely. So, you need it to be cheaper than that. And I think if you can play it for 5 or 6 
ink consistently in the mid game as just like a threat to play with something else it could be pretty good but if you're consistently paying seven eight nine or ten for this character it's bad it's obviously insane if you can play it for two but i just don't know how often that's gonna happen in the mid game so uh, I mean, and even if you play it for two, like you said, you're probably not going to, you're probably going to want maybe two of these. And because of that, I, yeah, it, it would fall in a pretty lower grade just because you're just, it's not one that you're going to play all four of. Because yeah. the more you have him, the less efficient he is because mm. of his two abilities. Yeah, like if you ever have two of these in your hand, then you just have one dead card in your hand that you're probably just never going to be able to play which is and you can't ink it yeah you can't <laughs> ink it so that's kind of unfortunate but i do think that this specific card could be part of some of your most explosive and powerful draws for example they play be prepared for seven ink on their turn seven then you go to your turn you have eight ink and you play chernabog for two ink and then stitch rockstar for six ink to fill out all eight of your ink mm -hmm. and that seems like a really powerful rebuild option because it's not easy to banish their challenges and it quests for a lot but like i just don't know how often that's going to come but i do think it's an interesting card that might see some play at some point yeah i again maybe i just got way too excited for this i gave him i gave it an a i think the one thing that it has going for it is that it's amber because you are going to probably see, again, amber tends to go wide with low to the ground characters. So chances are you're going to be cycling through a lot and you're going to have a lot in your discard. So that's probably the best thing that it's got going for it is that it could prove to be pretty useful because you might be able to use them quite quickly. And even if you see him on turn five, having a 9-9 nine nine on turn five, that quest for three and shuffle your, your character cards back in might be pretty useful. However, I feel like I could see situations in which that might not want to happen because there might be times in which you don't want to shuffle your low to the ground characters back into your deck because it decreases the chances of you starting to see the other cards that you were hoping to get to. So Yeah, it also makes your... Four cost Hades not as good because you can't pick characters up out of your discard pile. Yeah. I can see this being like good in combination with Steel because you have a whole new world which can fill your discard pile and you have Simba and Cinderella that can kind of loot characters into your discard pile. You can draw and discard one. Like the little minions, the Chernobog's followers are an Amethyst, but I have a hard time believing that this is better than any of the expensive amethyst uninkables though so mm -hmm. it's it's in a weird place yeah all right my second amber card is the bare necessities so i had a hard time giving it a single grade i'm bouncing between a and b I mean, let's start with the obvious it's cheap it's inkable it's a song and it's often used in a color that you typically see song decks to be built around so i think it would be a great card for that archetype but even if you aren't playing a steel song deck i feel like it would be pretty good in an amber anything else <laughs> type of combo deck but it's similar to nothing to hide from set two which wasn't a very good card except 
not only is this a song, but you get a sneak peek at your opponent's hand and you get to make them discard one of your choice. So there's a chance they might not have anything but characters in their hand, but the fact that it could be any non-character card opens up the possibility for it to even be your actions, your items, and now we have locations. So I feel like the chances of you being able to use this ability is pretty high, and so I feel like it could prove itself to be quite powerful. Yeah, so I gave this one a B. This is going to be pretty good against some decks and not very good against others. It being inkable really goes a long way just because you have that baseline of a high floor, right? Mm -hmm. In a discard amber emerald deck, this combined with sudden chill and aerial can kind of provide a lot of consistency mm -hmm. to help out your Prince John's. So I think that's really interesting. I think at the beginning, there's going to be a lot of people that kind of make a mistake with this card and an Ursula that is coming out too. Yeah. Which is essentially, they're just going to play it as soon as they get it, right? And sometimes that'll be correct, but often it won't be because if you play this on turn two and you're trying to take their be prepared or grab your swords, for example, like they have a higher chance of having those cards the turn before they can play them right mm -hmm. so you want to wait as long as possible just to make sure that you can get it right before they plan to they yeah. plan to play it because like, if you look at it early so much could change in their hand <clears throat> within the time that they would even get to that so yeah I, I see what you're saying yeah like you just cast on turn two they don't have to be prepared but if you would have sang it on turn six they probably would have had it and if they don't have it and of course that's obviously good for you and you just take one of the other cards in their hand if it's a available to be taken so i think this one is going to be good in some situations pretty medium in some situations but at least it's inkable so can't really go wrong with it yeah for sure all right moving on to amethyst so my first Amethyst card is Mama Odie, Voice of Wisdom. It is an uninkable six-cost character that's a three-six and quests for two and has the ability, listen to your mama now. Whenever this character quests, you may move up to two damage counters from chosen character to chosen opposing character. I gave this one a B. I think although it's uninkable, you get a decent-sized body in which you get probably two quests out of it, hoping you don't obviously get like a challenge plus a damage inflicting card like something in steel you know that would finish her off but nonetheless chances are you would probably get two quests out of her at least i'm not sure how often we'd see characters just chilling out there with damage on them since your opponent and you playing against your opponent like you don't want to try to leave characters with damage out on the board your goal is to try to once you challenge them or put damage on them your goal is to get them off the board immediately from there so chances are you're, you're not going to have a bunch of opposing characters that are just chilling out there with damage but we might have situations in which you know if you're playing against like a steel deck and they use grab your sword or tink or something and it might have gotten one or two of your characters off the board but maybe not your third one and so that one's just holding on for dear life like this one would be really good to move from yours to theirs so I don't know I think I think it could be pretty interesting to see I don't think 
it'll be in a, a bunch of decks, but I think we'll see it sometimes. Yeah, so there's definitely some interesting things going on with this character. It's pretty good with some of the ruby cards. Oh yeah, I forgot. <clears throat> Where you could put damage on yourself. Yeah, the self-damaging ruby cards it's pretty interesting with because you can obviously move from your character to theirs. You can also move two damage counters from one of their damage characters to another character so that you can finish a character off maybe. That being said, I give this card a D. Oh. <laughs> um, it's just so hard for this slow of a card to see play when there are cards like Lady Tremaine at six cost that have an immediate impact on the board yeah. and can get bounced by the Amethyst characters and have that repeatable ability. And it's uninkable, so... It's just not very flexible, and it's competing in unequable spots with Ursula, Leitremaine, Elsa, whatever other unequals you have in your deck. So I don't think I could play this card. That being said, this looks like one of the best cards in Limited, just as an uncommon. You can get like a, two or three of these, and your opponent's just going to have a miserable time getting your characters off the board. So it's definitely good there. Yeah. You know what? That's why I like doing these set reviews with you because there are cards that I think are good and you like bring me to reality. Or I think there are cards that are bad and you open up my eyes and make me see that it's better than what it might appear at the surface. So yeah, I, <laughs> I'll i I'll just edit my grade to be similar to yours. <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> All right, what's your next Amethyst? <clears throat> so my first Amethyst card is Chernobog's Followers, Creatures of Evil. It is a one-cost inkable character that is a 2-1 quest for one with the ability Relentless Souls. Whenever this character quests, you may banish them to draw a card. So I gave this one an A. I think that it is quite good. So a lot of the characters that you'd be playing in the one-cost slot are 1-3s or 2-2s. Two and this doesn't really have much of a difference as far as the body goes. It quests for one, yeah, it, I guess it dies a little bit easier, but you get some pretty big upside with it in the sense that in the late game, when you would want this card to be anything else and you draw it, it actually could turn into something relevant when you quest with it. And that's just the kind of upside that Olaf's and those kind of characters, mm -hmm. Archimedes, that they just don't have. So I really like this one. It's kind of everything that you want in an early character. And it has the late game upside as well. I gave it a B. I think it's a card that you're getting a two for one for because you're not just... Isn't there a card where you it just is you exert it and then banish and draw or am I think or an item or something like that? There's like the queen where you can exert it and draw a card. You don't banish her or anything. I but. thought I thought there was something that you could banish and draw a card, but maybe I'm just never mind. But um, normally, like with those cards, it's just an exert, not necessarily like a quest. 
So I like that you're not losing out on gaining lore, but you also get that card draw that replaces itself. So I give it a B. Yeah, and the the one thing I really like about this is that it is still inkable. So you have that baseline floor as well. So I think this card is going to see quite a bit of play. For sure. Dana, what is your second one? All right, so I'm bringing another song. I have It Calls Me. It is an inkable you didn't one. sing it. I'm not singing that. <laughs> <laughs> It is an inkable one drop. I didn't expect you to say that. Um, it's an inkable one drop, and you draw a card, then choose up to three cards from chosen opponent's discard and shuffle them into their deck. I, again, on the fence, I'm thinking maybe B minus, C plus. I think it's interesting because, I mean, well, so first, it's cheap and inkable, and it's a song, so... It also basically replaces itself with that card draw. The second ability is where it gets kind of hairy for me because you can use it to shuffle cards back into your opponent's deck that might not be powerful ones, like what we were talking about with Chernabog, where you're almost kind of diluting it and decreasing their chances of seeing ones that they're actually looking for. But you don't have to necessarily choose all three, which is pretty good. You don't have to choose any. Well, I was debating about that. I'm in, I'm glad that you're interpreting this different because I I figured if you didn't have to choose any, then they would have said, then you may choose up to. Yeah, it says choose up to, which implies zero is a number you can choose. All right, never mind. Yeah, definitely more B range for me then. Yeah, so I kind of like this card. I think the fact that it is a one-cost song that just draws a card. So you can draw a card for free. There are, there's one, ex I keep going back to magic examples because that's obviously the It's most, what you know. Yeah, it's obviously the most famous card game, but there is a card called Gitaxian Probe. Essentially, you paid two life to draw a card and it had the ability to look at your opponent's hand that didn't matter because you were just paying no mana investment to draw a card. And here, it's similar. You pay no ink investment, you get that card right back so you can go through your deck really fast. And then I think what's interesting is in the long games, and there are a decent amount of games that go really long in Lorcana, you can kind of dilute your opponent's deck a little bit which can definitely come up. So that being said, I'm still just going to give it a B. All right. We have well, a lot of Bs on our list. We do have a lot of Bs. That's okay. <laughs> All right. What is your last Amethyst? All right. So I have Genie Supportive Friend. It is an uninkable four-cost character, 3-5, quest for one with the ability Three Wishes. Whenever this character quests, you may shuffle this card into your deck and draw three. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. I'm giving this one a C. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as this card goes, it just seems a lot worse than Merlin Rabbit to me. For Merlin Rabbit, as soon as you play it, you get the card back. This, you have to wait until your next turn. Yeah, you get three cards, but you can always trade your Merlin Rabbit in to get a second card. But just the fact that once you play it, you get that card means it's a little more consistent. You can play a Merlin Rabbit into a Be Prepared and be totally okay with that. Not only that, but 
the rabbit works with all the Madame Mim cards that are extremely good. And this does not, unfortunately. This does have a better body. It's a 3-5 instead of a 2-3. But I just think the fact that it's slower, it doesn't work with a lot of the other Amethyst cards, means that uh, even though it is, it looks like it should be a really good card, I just don't think it's going to be. Mm. I... I gave it a B. I didn't think about how it would be slower than Merlin, but I think I was just drawn to the the drawing of three cards. Mm -hmm. So, and the fact that you wouldn't be losing it to your discard, it would go back into your deck. But and whether that would whether you consider that good or bad, I I guess is you know your own personal opinion. But yeah, I don't know. I gave it a B because of that. But yeah. you're you're right. I mean, I I see your points there. Yeah, and one of the, I know I mentioned the bodies on Merlin Rabbit and Genie, but this thing also doesn't have a body when you quest with it and draw cards because it just goes right back into your deck. So you lose that board position. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you can afford to do that, especially when Madame M. Fox needs characters in play. And that's one of your best cards against aggressive decks. For sure. All right. Ready to move on to Emerald? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What's your first Emerald card? My first one is Cursed Merfolk. Ursula's Handiwork. This is a one-cost uninkable card, a 0-1 that quests for two, so another one-cost character that quests for two, and it has poor souls. Whenever this character is challenged, each opponent chooses and discards a card. I think this card is really good. I think that aggressive Emerald decks will definitely play this, so I'm going to give it an A. So the problem with, like, Lilo and Maleficent by Inner Time mm -hmm. is that they just have basically no impact on the board state or what your opponent's game plan is. They kind of just quest for two or four, and then they get challenged because they only have one strength, and they, they don't do anything. This one actually does. This is going to quest for two or four, however many Lilo did. And then it's going to make them discard a card as well. So it actually can affect their game plan a little bit because they're just down a card. So I really like that. And those cards I've seen a lot of play. I like it a lot better than Flynn Rider because this one costs one ink instead of two. So it just comes down earlier. Yeah, I, I think this card is going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. See, I, I gave it a B. I, I, I do think it's a decent card. I didn't see all of the upsides to it that you were describing because in my head I was just thinking, okay, it's uninkable and it can't necessarily trade with a challenging character. But, I mean, it does quest for two and has that typical emerald characteristic of having a de-incentivization for challenging it. But I actually do like the way that they worded it because unlike Flynn Rider, where it's just the challenging character has to discard, I do like how it's each opponent. So I think as we start to see more multiplayer games emerge, hopefully also in like the competitive scene too, that it affects everybody. So I really like that aspect. I didn't think it was an A, but... Maybe I underestimate it. I mean, it might end up being a B, but I think this one is kind of uniquely powerful for a one-cost character. Yeah, good point. 
All right, my first emerald card is Morph Space Goo. I really like this card. It is a inkable two drop, a two one, quests for one, and has mimicry. You may play any character with shift on this character as if th this character had any name. Basically, I gave it an A because, I mean, you could literally shift any character onto it. Like, enough said, you know? But its downfall, I think the reason why it's not an S is because it just dies to grab your sword. Or So if you can at least get this out there early before your opponent would be able to play grab your sword. Obviously, it's not going to be good late in the game. So at that point, you would just ink it. But if you can get it out early and shift your character before they see grab your sword, then it could be pretty useful for you to get a shift character without having to have the baby version of it. Because sometimes we see really good shift characters, but maybe the, the smaller character that is currently available isn't good enough. Beast Tragic Hero. Right, right. So, I don't know. I think this could be a game changer for that. Yeah, I think this card is really capable of doing some messed up stuff. It just seems like it can enable so many different things. You can just play with shifts that you never really considered playing before like, because of this card. So, like, and I mean, one of the shift characters that you use and you really enjoy, and honestly, she's good enough to not need to shift, but Lady Tremaine... Because can like can you imagine if you were to be able to get her out even sooner? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, whether it's Lady Tremaine, maybe you want to do Elsa, maybe you want to go straight into Beast Tragic Hero, because you also have Tinkerbell in that same color combination. This card's gonna do a lot of messed up stuff. That being said, it's not the best late game so it gets an a but i'm excited to see what it's capable of for sure all right so the next card that i have is strike a good match it is a two cost inkable song that says draw two cards then choose and discard a card so the ability to draw two and discard one doesn't really put you up cards it it makes you neutral on cards because you're discarding a card and you're playing a card, so that kind of makes you neutral. But you do get a lot of good filtering. You can maybe toss away an uninkable that you otherwise couldn't use. It's going to make a lot of your decks a lot more consistent, I think. I think one of the big problems with the deck that you've been playing, Dana, your discard deck, is that sometimes you just don't have all the pieces right right yeah. you don't have prince john you don't have bucky this is a card that makes it that much more likely that you can find those cards uh it's inkable so it has a high floor that's always really important and i think that it's just going to make the aggro decks a lot more consistent as well because you can get rid of some of the expensive cards that you can't play or you can filter away some of the cheap cards that are no longer very good. Mm -hmm. So I, I think this card is going to be pretty strong, a B range card for me. Yeah, I gave it between an A and a B because like you said, it's inkable and it's a cheap song. And one of the things we constantly talk about during our set reviews, well, two, we talk about card draw, a card advantage, and then card selection. And so 
even though, like you said, this is neutral on the card draw side of that, you get that selection going on because yeah, there were points when we went to our little tourney for a booster box that like during my matches, I felt like, man, if I could see this character right now, that'd be so good. And then I just draw like my one or two cost character and I'm like, well, mm -hmm. game over, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it would, it would have been nice to have this card for sure. All right. So my last Emerald card is Milo Thatch, King of Atlantis. So excited for this card. It is an uninkable seven drop, a four, four quests for three. You can shift on four. So, hey, you can use morph. Um, and then it has the ability to take them by surprise. When this character is banished, return all opposing characters to their player's hands. I straight up give this one an A. I think it gives me similar vibes to Genie, although instead of just bouncing one character, you're bouncing their entire hand, which can put them behind so much. Yes, it's slower than Genie because Genie's ability is immediately as he enters the field and this one has to be banished first. But I think the fact that you can potentially shift him on like a goon analog or morph and then turn four, he's around. Maybe by the time turn five or six comes around, like he might end up getting banished. So it would be similar timing to Genie anyway. So I feel like it kind of balances out there. And like I said, just having to bounce all of the characters back to your opponent's hands can be really detrimental to the game plan. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of crossed on this card. Its ability is really powerful, but it suffers the same fate as literally every single other Emerald card, and that is expensive and not inkable, unfortunately. So there's just so many cards that kind of fit this mold, that quest for three, that it's just hard to find which one the best one is. And this could be the best one, definitely. I think one of the most important aspects of this card is though, is that it doesn't say banished in a challenge like most of these effects mm. do. So if they wanted to Dragonfire character, or maybe they want to play Lady Tremaine, but you have this on board, then they can't just play Lady Tremaine because all of their other characters will get bounced to their hand, right? Yeah. So that's interesting, and then it stops stuff like that. But also, I think one way to play this is with Steel and that new song that deals four damage because you can shift Milo seeing that song to banish itself, and then you just bounce all... Even though you used Milo and the song you bought yourself a lot of time because you returned all three or four of their characters to their hands. So I think having a way to banish this yourself in order to reset the board could also play an important key. That's a good point. All right, going down to Ruby now. What's your first card? My first card is Della Duck. It is an uninkable two-cost character, 3-3 three, three, and reckless. So... 3342, which we see is a good stat line because Madam M Snake is that stat line. And this one has Reckless. So it's trading the bounce ability for Reckless and being inkable for not being inkable. A lot of, I mean, it's, 
I'm going to give this card a B. I think we'll see some play just because it is well statted for its cost. But yeah, I, th I think it's just really well statted for its cost. It's going to challenge and banish everything early. I think when you play it on turn two, your opponent's going to be a little hesitant to quest, which is kind of the important aspect of this card. <laughs> that being said, I also can see situations where this gets absolutely zero play. <laughs> so, uh, But I like it. I like it. I think it's a good defensive character that doesn't have the downside of needing a one-cost character to play on turn one like the snake does. Mm -hmm. I might have given it more credit than what it deserves, but I give it an A. I think although it's uninkable... I still think it's pretty good to trade with a decent amount of the characters that you'd normally see in the first few turns. Obviously, it might not get them all, but I feel like there's a quite a big amount of cards that this could get off the board. So I give it an A. I think it could be pretty useful. I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Now that I think about it, I kind of want to go down on it a little bit more just because I don't know if it's better than Gaston. And Gaston is a 4-2 that is inkable. And doesn't see a lot of play currently. Maybe that uh, third toughness is really important, though. And that'll kind of push this one into scene play. Yeah, who knows? All right, my first ruby card is Prince Eric Expert Helmsman. I bounce between an A and an S. I think even though it's uninkable for a low-to-the-ground stat line... It does quest for two, and it has that de-incentivization that Emerald typically has. But I really like this card because it doesn't have to be the challenging character, and it can be any character of your choice that you get to banish. So oftentimes I feel like we see like with Cusco, like banish challenging character. That's a common thing that we'll see like with other ones too, but the fact that you get to choose... I think will make your opponents think twice because basically it doesn't matter what they use this to take off the board because you could just choose the one that they weren't wanting to do anything with anyway. So I don't know. And even more so too, even if they do challenge this one, because you get to base, you get to still choose another one, you get like a two for one. So. Yeah, especially if this, if this was going to take out a small character, they'll probably just challenge with the bigger one so you only get that that trade but i do think this card's a this one's really good this is kind of like the milo thatch to me in that if you're playing it you might want some way to banish it yourself so if you play with steel you can turn your two mana deal twos or your fire the cannons or whatever into actual removal spells that take care of their best character on board so mm -hmm. that could give you a lot of flexibility a lot of the times it's just gonna pretend to be a evasive character and just kind of sit and play and quest while your opponents can't really do anything about it and then other times they'll quest and then you'll be able to run this character into their questing character just to banish their best character again so there's a lot of stuff going on with this card. I think it's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> All right, what's your next ruby card? All right, so mine is Sumerian Talisman. It is a three-cost inkable item with the ability Source of Magic. During your turn, whenever one of your characters is banished in a challenge, you may draw a card. So I'm going to give this one a B. 
I do think it is going to be really, really strong. And in some decks, I can, like, you just save this until you can make one or two challenges. Because the thing is, if you just play it on turn three, then your opponent's going to do their best to not play into you being able to trade characters. So you won't have the ability to draw cards. But if you save it, until the boards are kind of full a little bit and your opponent has to start questing to gain more then you can play this and start making trades and when you have this out any trade is a good trade because you're just going up on cards so i really like it it's inkable they usually make these kinds of cards not inkable that's that's been my complaint for the last couple sets is that all the sweet items just aren't inkable so you can't play them very mm -hmm. often. But this one being inkable means I think it's going to see a decent amount of play and I'm excited to try it. Yeah, maybe they heard you. Maybe they heard me. <laughs> they listen. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I gave this one a B. I think the fact that it's an item and it can be repeatable both multi-turn and multi-challenge within the same turn even if it only sees like one banished character before being maybe removed by your opponent it replaces itself with the card draw so it's still worth it yeah. i don't know but yeah you don't need a lot for this card to replace itself it's not that hard and as soon as you get that second or third card this card has done a lot of work yeah because i feel like with a lot of items and actions they make you do so many multi-steps that it's like mm. not even worth it like not only do you have to pay to play it but then not, you have to exert it and pay three that turn to you and it's like this is just it auto yeah it's auto just works yeah a one-time cost and can trigger so many times yeah all right my second ruby card is hydra deadly serpent I have this between an A and a B range. It is an uninkable six drop, a six five quest for two, and has watch the teeth. Whenever this character is dealt damage, deal that much damage to chosen opposing character. I feel like the reason why I'm stuck between an A and a B is because it's expensive, uninkable, and there's no option to shift it. However, I feel like the ability to inflict damage upon another character of your choice is pretty strong and similar to Prince Eric in the sense that it can either trade with a character and put damage on a second one or get rid of a challenging character that would have normally stayed alive when they challenged you, but you can just be like, nah, <laughs> and then just get rid of the that one that they wanted to keep alive. So yeah, I and not to mention too that the text line doesn't insinuate it has to be during a challenge. So yeah, even the damage dealt in other special circumstances, like when Tink enters the battlefield or whatever, it can be transferred. I, I like it. Yeah, your opponent wants to see and grab your swords, but you have this on board, so that can at least mitigate some of the impact by maybe taking out one of their characters. When this character's out, it's going to be really hard for them to even want to quest because if you they have a three, two three threes in play, this will challenge one and then deal the damage to the other one as well. So... It's really strong in that regard. It's really good with teeth and ambitions. Just being able to, you know, deal four damage to a character or two damage to two different characters mm -hmm. could be really good. 
So I like this card. I don't know if it's better than Lady Tremaine, but I am really interested in trying it. So I'm gonna give it like a B plus, A minus kind of range as well. This definitely has a lot of upside and it, I just love the card actually. I love the art. <laughs> yeah, sweet. it is real. We just watched the movie like two nights ago. <laughs> yeah, the Hydra's sick. Yeah. All right, Dana, so let's talk about your first Sapphire card. What do you have? All right, I have Tinkerbell, Very Clever Fairy. It is an inkable five drop, three, four, quests for two, and has, I can use that. Whenever your items is banished, you may put that card into your inkwell face down and exerted. First glance, I thought this card was going to be really good, but considering that she's a five cost character without the shift ability, I feel like you might not see her quick enough and even the ability is pretty slow it might still be able to be good especially in the specific item decks where you're using popsicle or judy and you could be banishing like your own item so you could speed that up a little bit but again with her being five cost by the time you see her i don't know it might not even be worth it so but nonetheless i gave her a b because i couldn't i couldn't see myself giving her a C, but maybe she's a C. I don't know. I wish they gave her evasive like some of the other Tinkerbells have because that would have like really amped up her power level and meant that you could quest while getting multiple triggers of this ability, but that is just not very likely. Being a 3-4 means that she doesn't have great stats and immediate impact on the board. It is a good combo with the Popsicle and Flaversham just being able to uh, get that extra ink to play more cards that you draw. So I do like that, but I think we need a few more items that banish themselves for free that have an impact on the board before this starts seeing play. Like if we had like a, a one-cost item that you can put it into play and then you banish it to deal two damage or something like that, mm -hmm. I think we'd be talking, but as it is, I think think she just might be a little too inconsistent. So I'm going to give her a C. Alright, my first card for Sapphire is Mama Odie. It is a three cost and inkable character. A one three that quests for one with the ability. This is going to be good. Whenever you play a song, you may put the top card of your deck into your inkwell face down and exerted. So I think this card's interesting. I gave it a B. There are definitely some decks that play more songs than the others so if you're playing amber then this could trigger quite a few times which i like if you're playing just sapphire amethyst let's say that that could be an interesting color combination you seeing friends on the other side so you draw two cards then again you're getting more ink so you can use those two cards uh, maybe you play one jump ahead and now you're putting two cards into your inkwell. That is like pretty strong on turn three because you're getting that double ramp and that kind of just turn. <laughs> it's kind of funny because a lot of these cards just kind of turn this into a little bit slower uh, Mickey Mouse detective. Mm -hmm. But I think the upside is there. You just He's re it's, it's repeatable because we talk a lot about how... Mickey Mouse Detective, all right, he comes into play, he does this thing, and then he's pretty much just like a useless body. Mm. But at least for hers, it's repeatable. Yeah, I think you might need 
a decent amount of two cost songs in order to make sure you can trigger that ability the first turn because once you get that first trigger then mickey mouse detect is a good card and then everything else on top of that is just kind of gravy so i give it a b i'm kind of excited to try it yeah i gave it a b too but we don't have to go into my rationale because you already went over it so all right, my next card is Aurelian Gyro Sensor. It is a inkable to drop item and has seeking knowledge. Whenever one of your characters quests, you may look at the top card of your deck, put it on either the top or the bottom. I give this one a B. It is inkable, it's cheap, and it's an item that wouldn't be hard to fit into your item deck. And it gives you that card selection that we talked about earlier. So the fact that it's an item too and can be used repeatedly if you have multiple characters questing, I I think it's pretty good. Yeah, this one is kind of like a Ursula's Cauldron from the first set mm-hmm. where you just tap it then you can look at like the top two cards or put one on the top or one whatever it is. It doesn't matter because that card does not see any play anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, this one is Inkable, which that card was not. This is in Sapphire, which is the best color for items, so that makes it interesting. And you can get a bunch of triggers in one turn, so I like this card. I could see it being a B, but I don't think it's ever going to be better than a B just because it doesn't actually draw cards. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, what's yours? So my next card for Sapphire is How Far I'll Go. Another song. It is. Why don't a... you sing this? <laughs> you told me to sing mine. You're right, you're right, right. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> so, this is a four cost uninkable song. It says, look at the top two cards of your deck, put one into your hand and the other into your inkwell, face down and exerted. I'm going to give this one a B as well. Um, <laughs> everything's a B. <laughs> uh, some things are A's. Some things are A's. <laughs> So I really like this card because it provides you the ramp that you need and it also provides you some card advantage. So you're getting a two for one mm-hmm. uh, just by singing a four cost song. And what I really like is that when you look at the top two cards, you get to pick which one you want to go into your inkwell. So you see a useless card, you're like, well, I don't want that right now. I'll draw the better card. I think this one is pretty powerful because it does both things for no ink a lot of the time. And even if you just play this on turn four because you need to play a six drop on the next turn, I don't think that's too bad either. Yeah, I gave it a B as well. I think the only downside is that it's uninkable, but I still think all of the benefits that you listed off are worth it. So still making it a B. Yeah, if you're not playing the item deck with Flavorsham, this is a good way to gain card advantage, I think. Yeah. All right, so next we're going to go on to Steel. Dana, talk to me about your first Steel card. Ooh, all right, so my first Steel card is Little John, Resourceful Outlaw. I gave him a B plus. He is a inkable six drop of four or five quests for two. You can shift him on four and then has the ability, okay, big shot, while this character is exerted, your characters with bodyguard gain resist plus one and quests for one additional one. I think this card can be pretty good if you get him out early on his shift on turn four because I think he'd be 
pretty tricky to take out right away. And the fact that he gives all of your other bodyguards resist plus extra lore when questing is pretty interesting and something to definitely watch out for. Yeah, having the bodyguard synergy in this color definitely helps. This one seems pretty powerful to me. I'm just going to give it a B because we haven't really seen a lot of the bodyguard uh tribal stuff be really good like the is musketeers now the time, is now the time <laughs> like this maybe is the car that pushes the musketeer tabards over the over the top because resist plus one is pretty powerful we see that with cogsworth and the ability to make them quest for a lot pretty quickly uh, means that you can kind of finish the game as well so i like it i just don't know if the rest of the decks there yet right all right what's yours so my first one is mr smee bumbling mate it is an inkable two cost character a three three and quest for two and if you stopped right there you might just say this is one of the best cards in the set because its stats are great and it quests for two but it has the downside oh dear 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 at the end of your turn if this character is exerted and you don't have a captain character in play deal one damage to this character I think this card is actually incredible. I gave it an A. You don't get two-cost characters that have these stats and quest for this amount. This is, like, incredibly aggressively costed. There are so many captain characters in Steel. You can just play any captain hook that you want to play. That, there's the one drop. Even. Yeah, there's the one drop captain hook. Hook into this card. and So it's going to be able to trade with everything that early. It's going to be able to put on pressure through questing. I love this card. I think it's really good. So I, I think it's an interesting card for sure. I'm not going to lie. I had to read it a few times before figuring out how I felt about it. And I still don't know how I feel about it. So I'm just going to go middle of the road with a B. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Obviously, this isn't good if you don't. Actually, you know what? Even if you don't have a captain character in play... The first time you quest with this, it's still a 3-2, that quest for 2, 4-2, and that's a fine rate in itself. So, yeah, I'm actually really high on this card. I think it's really good. Fair enough. All right, my next card is Gustav the Giant, Terror of the Kingdom. It is an inkable 3 cost, a 6-6, six, six, quests for 1, and has two abilities. The first one being all tied up. This character enters play exerted and can't ready at the start of your turn. And break free during your turn, whenever one of your other characters banishes another character in a challenge, you may ready this character. I gave him a B. I think this card can be pretty powerful because you're not really seeing characters that would be able to take this out until turn five. So even though the caveat is that you really need to have another character who can banish something on your opponent's board, otherwise he's just kind of like a sitting duck, useless, but... I think if you have that, I, I think it would be really scary to see a 6-6 six, six on your turn three. <laughs> yeah, so this one is really interesting because I think if you play this on turn three, your opponent's just not going to challenge or quest very much in those turns. And that seems like it might be okay for you because then you're able to just quest along. Mm. And as soon as you get like to ready this character once and challenge something, it's probably going to survive, which means it's going to be a great target for Rapunzel. 
So I like this character. I think he's a, he might be a B plus. He seems like a very threatening character early on. Yeah, big boy. Big boy, big boy. All right, last card. All right, so our last card is Mickey Mouse Trumpeter. Four cost uninkables, zero one with the ability Sound the Call. Exert it, pay two to play a character for free. Dana, I want to hear your opinion on this character first. <laughs> I... He also quest for one. I don't know if I said that. I, I, I can't remember. So <laughs> here's me and my indecisiveness. I'm again on the fence. A, B. I do think it's good. So A, B. I'm only factoring in a B due to its uninkability, but obviously... And size. It, and size. Yeah, like it dies to grab your swords. It if you play this on turn four and then on your opponent's turn, they shift like a big tink, like bye-bye. You don't even yeah. get to use it by the mm -hmm. time it comes around again. So I think that's why I'm kind of leaning towards the B, but obviously you could basically play this guy and on your next turn, pay two to play Chernabog or another strong character like Monstrous Dragon. Although we might not see a lot of Ruby Steel decks, but who knows. And then you still have three ink to spend on something else. So it's pretty powerful for sure. Yeah, this card seems kind of busted to me. Uh, I'm going to give it a A. There are cards like this in Magic that have not seen a lot of play, but Magic is just a little bit different because the removal is a lot more. You have like in where your opponent can yeah. do stuff on your turn and stuff. Yeah, you yeah. just have more efficient removal and a lot more of it. So this thing, if you get to... Uh, use it on turn five you pay two so then you still have three ink left and you can play a monstrous dragon for two ink so this thing taps for like seven ink <laughs> yeah this thing's incredible like if you have expensive characters in your deck it is so good if you're playing a uh, ursula Power Hungry, two turns earlier, that's incredibly good. If you're playing a Monstrous Dragon, four turns early, that is incredibly good. Elsa. Elsa, three turns early, that is so good. And I think the more characters they print with awesome enter the playabilities that are high ink cost, the better this thing's gonna be granted they'll probably keep printing better removals so that might make it worse in the future as well but uh i think the juice is worth the squeeze with this one just because i've never heard you say that <laughs> <laughs> who are you <laughs> i'm a juice is worth the squeeze guy <laughs> you've never used that in like the seven or eight years i've known you <laughs> i thought it was a good time it was appropriate that's fine <laughs> carry on yeah, this thing, even if it's banished, I think in this game specifically, if you just had a card that was like, make seven ink and use it this turn only, if that was just like a card for two ink, then you'd probably play it. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have a way to deal with this, then, and you can use it a second time, they're just, they're gone. They're yeah. done. And who knows, maybe as more sets go on, we see more expensive cards and that's going to increase the value of this one even more so yeah if we see like an eight cost bodyguard with good stats and a good ability at some point then this card's just gonna be insane yeah for <laughs> sure. so yeah i really like this card 
I think it's going to see a good amount of play. It's just stats and uninkability keeps it from being an S for me, but I love it. Yeah, definitely. All right, Dana. We're done. We're done. At that least was, with these. <laughs> at least with these. We still have all the other ones to do, but this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely liked this being more condensed because another thing too is all of our other previous reviews, we have to take multiple episodes to do. So we really wanted to get the most interesting ones and most fun ones that we wanted to talk about out. And then we have more episode space to talk about other things like maybe how the locations are going to turn out to be. So definitely would want more episode weeks dedicated towards things like that. But one thing that we didn't notice is obviously when this episode comes out, it's release day. So happy release day, everybody. Happy release day. May the Enchanteds ever be in your favor. Yes. Have fun this weekend. Hopefully you get to go to an event at your LGS. If not, keep us updated on if you pull something exciting. Yeah, good luck, everybody. <laughs> All right. Have a good weekend. And we will talk to you guys next week when we are officially up and going. Have a great weekend.